0: Hello oh, and welcome back to. The... <laughs> this
1: you gotta keep this intro. You gotta finish it off because that's perfect. Are you talking to me or the audience?
0: <laughs> I don't know this
1: one. <laughs> oh, I missed you so much. We decided to do it twice.
2: Film and analytics create The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape It's the dynasty crossroads where film is everything but we'll give you everything.
0: We needed some outtakes, we did the first one so well. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads for episode 7, I believe it is, talking about Corey Davis. This is actually take 2, because we've already done this once before and uh, we messed up the recording because we're amateurs. Um. Corey Davis is our subject for tonight. We can't wait to talk about him all over again. Uh, on the plus side, our takes are rehearsed and hopefully uh, will come out much better for it. I guess. Um, my name is Peter Howard, so I've got to do that this time. At P A Howdy on Twitter, I'm here with Jake Anderson at NFL Draft Talker, man who can't hit record. Um. He is, however, back and healthy, looking good, looking spry. Um, I've already been through this with him once, so I happen to know he's got some uh, sizzling information and some great takes to give us on Corey Davis. Jake, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm good. I wish people could have heard the first take that, you know, like an hour ago when I was like, Oh man, Peter, I'm exhausted. I'm beat. I'm, I'm excited to talk about Corey Davis, but I am tired. And An hour later, I just I'm so now I'm rejuvenated to just stay up till 1 30 in the morning and Say the same thing that I just got done saying so I, I am thrilled
0: It is Groundhog's Day at the NFC Crossroads <laughs> uh, The good news is though. I scribbled out all my notes and closed all my spreadsheets and tabs so that's gonna make this just smooth and enjoyable and um, I, uh, we decided that it was my turn to go first this time to give a brief introduction of Corey Davis, what I look for in uh, wide receivers They're that at this place in their career. Um, and so I guess I will still bite that bullet for the second time. So Corey Davis was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. He was drafted, in fact, in the top five, which is high for any offensive position player that's not a quarterback, uh, let alone a wide receiver. Um, I don't actually adjust for where a player is taken in a round. I just consider the round as a whole, but it's something I will note when a player is drafted so highly. Um, to put it bluntly, there's very little I could imagine being on Corey Davis' profile to make it any better. As a rookie wide receiver, I like him pretty much uh, to be the best prospect um, ever. Uh, the only players that he really compares to or compare to him, uh, frankly, uh, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster. And... Um, That it I think. Um there's very little that he doesn't have on his profile that I don't like. He he slayed it in market share numbers. Um he was above average at every age. He's an age 18 breakout age. Um drafted in the first round, that puts him in the very highest hit rate category based on how I adjust hit rates by draft round based on their breakout age. He's actually in the 72% hit rate for wide receivers to be in the top 24 within the first three years of their career. He's actually in an 83% hit rate for wide receivers to have at least a, um, a wide receiver three season in the first years, uh, first three years of their career. I said all of this much better the first time round. So if you can just imagine this being smoother and much more funny, uh, that would be great. I appreciate that, guys and girls. Um. So there's very little I don't like about him. Um, in fact, I'd say there was nothing. If I was going to say there, there's at all a negative on his profile as a rookie prospect, it's that he entered the league at age 22. If you've checked out Michael Zingoni at FF Zingo, which I've asked you to do before because he just produces great content, um, he actually ran the numbers on hits or how well wide receivers do based on the age they come into the NFL as opposed to their breakout age. I think it's a little more noisy because I think that incorporates some of breakout age, but um, 22 does uh, put him in a slight risk category. However, I think if you adjust that for where he played, he actually played a uh, a lower competition level, and it's actually not very unusual for a wide receiver, even of his caliber, to stay in for an extra year um, if they play at that kind of level. Racking up extra stats and just making sure they have the degree because the chances of actually going, uh, being successful in the NFL might seem less likely, whatever story you want to put on that. As far as his market share goes, he's actually in the top five in terms of overall receptions and also receiving yards for his team since 2000, and the other people on that list are Stefan Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Calvin Johnson. Also Tyler Boyd. But still, it's a pretty impressive list to be in. I have actually no concerns based on his rookie profile, um, and I really liked him coming out. He was, what, he was uh, the first overall pick for me in rookie dress last year and I still hold him at that value. So, Jake, what what could possibly be your overall opinion of Corey Davis as he was a rookie prospect last year?
1: Yeah, I was a big Corey Davis fan last year, early in on the process. And I remember, you know, right after the season, you know, we start talking about these rookies and uh, it was really kind of split down the middle in the community between Mike Williams and Corey Davis. Um, Obviously, it got figured out later in the process. Whereas Corey Davis was pretty much the consensus one-one, and Mike Evans or Mike Williams, um, as long as you didn't draft later when the back injury stuff came out, you know he was the consensus one-six uh, behind those running backs. Uh, or Actually, it was a one-seven. It was one or the other. Re- regardless, uh, early on in the process, I thought it was pretty clear that Corey Davis was the wide receiver one in last year's class. So I was a big fan. I mean, he was he was going to be my one-one. Again, later in the process, those running backs, you know, their values definitely started to trigger up a little bit. But he was definitely there for me. Uh, I was a big fan of of, of of his tape. I think he's a very well-rounded um, wide receiver. I, he wins in a lot of ways. He plays all the different positions. He can play the slot. He can play the X. He can play the Y. Um, so the fact that he can play all those different positions, I think – Speaks to his intelligence and, and the versatility in his game. He can win on short and intermediate routes. I think he's really good going over the middle. He's a great slant wide receiver. Uh, cr- he can run the crosses. He can run the outs. He and he's he's got the the speed to win deep. Uh, he's a good deep ball receiver. Um, probably my favorite part of his game is his his body control and field awareness. Um, you know his sideline catches his uh, ability to keep his feet in bounce in the end zone in the corner of the end zone uh, really really impressive really strong hands he has he shows some Chris Carter type of flashes there um, around the sideline so you like to see that that type of wide receiver that has that good of body control and field awareness to get his feet down make the make the completed catch um, and he's really good in contested situations and he can high point the ball a little bit too and and honestly, he kind of reminds me overall in his game that he's a little bit less explosive, um, or a poor man's version of AJ Green. And again, it's more attributes than it is uh, projection to where he's going to his his career is going to play out. Um, but I'm a big fan, and I thought his his tape last year was good. the The only big problem is. Uh, he had that hamstring injury that, that limited him for seven games. He didn't he didn't even play. He came out in his first game of the season, and I believe he had six catches for 60-some yards. And then, you know, he was out for seven weeks. He came out after their bye. Um, and then towards the end of the season and in the playoffs, he, he really started to flash again once he got, you know, fully healthy and acclimated into the, the offense. Uh, against the Patriots in the playoffs. He had a set line of five catches for 63 yards and two touchdowns. They're really impressive. I think it was even one-handed catch in the back of the end zone. Um, certainly got people excited about Corey Davis. So um, I thought he played well. It's just the, the little bit lingering uh, soft tissue, hamstring injuries. I believe he had ankle surgery after the season. Supposedly he's fully healthy now. Uh, but just as a player, I was a I was a big big Corey Davis fan and I remember this time last year his overall ADP was like 16 um, which I thought was absurd but now it has fallen a little bit so it's probably where it should be but it might might create a little buying window if you get someone that's not willing to wait or maybe last year scanned them off a little bit
0: yeah it's a really interesting comparison to aj green uh, the person i hear always hear compared to aj green as a prospect is actually Devonte parker and i thought that was almost absolutely perfect um obviously that's not been working out for the parker and i do love aj green please don't take that as a slight against um aj green who is actually also undervalued and as far as his rookie season goes you already mentioned it um so i'll address that now he played Pretty well, but honestly, I don't mind. We were all saying we shouldn't expect production from wide receivers in their first year, and that's just true. Um, I looked at first seasons since two thousand and what players did and, and how often they hit a thousand yard seasons after that using FS statistics data. And um, there are about one hundred and eighteen different examples of uh, first year seasons of rookie wide receivers drafted anywhere in the first round that had about 350 yards. Corey Davis had 375. And 13% or more of the team's target share, which was about what Corey Davis had. And about 42% of them went on to have um, a 1,000-yard season. Since that's rookies between 2000 and 2015. So everyone's had at least three years to try. Um, If I limit that by wide receivers that only play 12 games, or less. Uh, Corey Davis played 11 in 2017. It actually shrinks to a list um, of uh, Odo Beckham, Michael Crabtree, Alan Robinson, and Corey Davis. Now, granted, he's at the bottom of that list. He had less receiving yards and a smaller target share than all of them. Um, But still, he just keeps coming up on all these positive lists, no matter how many, how I examine him. So I'm really not worried about his um, Uh, how his first year went. He actually had two wide receivers, two games, going to FS statistics seasonal data as well. Um, if I switch over to just talking about his uh, college profile for a little longer, um, I, I forgot to mention his College Dominator, which is actually something I did a deep research project on for Player Profiler. So it's available on their website as an article as well. But I calculate College Dominator a little differently then player profiler it turns out. We both use the uh, best seasons and their last season, and um, but I use the best of any season. So the best um their best market share of yards and their best market share of touchdowns from any season. Whereas I think they use the complete season, just whichever season was better. So I mine tend to come out a little bit higher and he was actually over sixty percent. Um player profiler he's just over fifty one percent, which puts him in a 94%. 90- first, I believe, percentile of all wide receivers in the NFL. So that's a very impressive stat. In that research project I did for Player Profiler, I found that College Dominator not only has almost as much signal to success in the NFL as Draft Round by itself, not quite as much, it's definitely less, but it's the it's next highest um, correlation to NFL success after Draft Round by itself, and, but, draft, uh, but College Dominator also has this benefit. Um, of uh, increasing the likelihood that a uh, wide receiver will actually hit a thousand yards or an 800 yard season the further they get into their career. So that was a positive sign. It's also a positive sign that if a wide receiver does get an 800 or a thousand yards receiving season with a college dominator over 30%, which is definitely something Corey Davis fits into, um, he is more likely to sustain that breakout for multiple seasons. So even in that regard, Corey Davis comes out uh, as a remarkably, as a great prospect, and, and definitely someone I'd like to target. But you already mentioned his ADP a little bit, so I think, and you're right, it has dropped a little bit now. Last year he was had an AD, overall ADP of around 23, and he was a wide receiver 14. This year he's dropped to wide receiver 15, and an overall ADP of around 31. That's all per DLF ADP collected by Ryan McDowell. Now. As we said last time, and I think it was one of the better points, so I'm definitely going to make sure to include it. Despite that small dip, I don't think we're going to find that value. We might find it a little bit in drafts, but as far as trades go, as you've definitely said before and said better than me, so I'll just copy what you say, as always, um, it's harder to trade for a guy when he's on someone else's roster because the minute he's on your roster... You immediately value him a little bit more than you ordinarily would and so despite that very small dip in ADP at least in terms of position rankings although I do think it's a little crazy he's below Juju Smith-Schuster if you just compare their obstacles to targets but if you're going to trade for him I think it's you're going to have to come heavy right so what would you say what kind of offer are, we, are you trying to put together if you're trying to get Corey Davis in your league.
1: Well, just looking at, looking at some ADP there, I think it depends on your roster construction and, and whether you're going to uh, compete or if you're rebuilding as, as all these trade offers do. Um, but especially with the younger wide receiver here, you'd be, you'd be looking for one of the, maybe those, one of those older wide receivers that's still in the top 15, uh, top 16, something like that. So like a, a Doug Baldwin, an Adam Thielen, uh, Man, if I'm competitive, I don't think I'm making that deal. Actually, I might do I might do Doug Baldwin as long as is, is he's my wide receiver three. I might be willing to do that. If, if I'm really heavily relying on Doug Baldwin, I might not. Everyone knows how I feel about Adam Thielen. That might be a little bit trickier because I do think he's a younger 27 with more tread on the tires. Uh, but that would be an option if you're looking for running backs. I think, you know, he's going behind Jarek McKinnon, Darius Geis. Uh, Man, I would sell Jarek McKinnon for Corey Davis all day long. Um, And Darius Geis, I would probably trade him for for Corey Davis too as long as I have some depth at running back. So uh, it's tough to say, and I don't know if you're going to get that deal done. I think you'd probably have to add a topper, uh, even if it is Adam Thielen, Doug Baldwin. Maybe even Jarek McKinnon or Darius Geis. I think you're going to probably have to throw a topper on. I think I think Corey Davis is probably more worth a 102+. plus. Um, so I think he's probably worth a 102 plus a late first. Um, that's where I would value him. So I think it's certainly... Uh, opens up my eyes to say you know what I think there's a, there's a slight chance for a buying opportunity and unless he has another disaster year if he finishes as a wide receiver two or maybe even a mid wide receiver three this year I really think that he has the potential to be a top five dynasty wide receiver next year because I think AB has a chance to fall out of that I don't think he should but uh, you know how just are in dynasty circles Julio Jones is already out of that circle, so there is some room there uh, for him to get up into that range. So if you are a Corey Davis fan, if you're a truther, I think this could very well be the last chance that you have to go buy him before his values skyrockets. And of course there's a chance that if you do that you look like an idiot because (laughs) maybe he does have another down year and and next year, looking at where you could have reco- you could have acquired him for cheaper. But if I had to forecast, if I had to project, I would imagine that his value is only going to go up from here, and this might be your last shot.
0: Yeah, um, to that point, uh, wide receivers are actually just as likely to break out in their second year as their third year. So just taking a holistic view there, and outside of Corey Davis, his ADP is at least stable. I don't think his value's gone up. Um, and According to ADP, as we said, it's down a tiny bit, but in trade, probably a little bit up, if not stable. But because wide receivers break out as often in their second year as their third year, this may as well be your last chance. You might get a chance to buy him last season, but statistically speaking, you're just as likely to not be able to get him for less value next year as you are. So if you like him, it's definitely a time to go out and get him. And I would say, though, I I can't. I don't. These are the trades I miss out on because where his value definitely hasn't dropped and rightly so, he's such a good prospect I'm glad Dynasty community is hanging on to that value to be honest it's a smart move but where he is always going to be the risky player in any player, in any deal that you just mentioned like you said, giving him a low-end wide receiver 1 or someone you think is maybe a little bit of a water-thin wide receiver 1 plus a little bit and... Corey Davis is still going to be the less proven guy in those deals. And so I never actually end up with them, with those players. Despite how much I like Corey Davis, I'm always going to see him as a risky investment and want more. Whereas value wise, he's always going to be worth more. And so then my trade partner is always going to be the one expecting a topper. Whereas I actually think I deserve a topper because he's um, more risky. Despite everything I've just said, even being in the highest bracket for potential breakout in the NFL He's still more risky than any player that's proven it, like um, Brandon Cooks, Adam Thielen. Those guys are just a lot more stable, and so I never actually end up getting them, which is disappointing to me. Um, But... Yeah, and that if you're willing to do those trade prices, now's probably the time. Now's just as likely to, to be the low buying window as it is to be um, a time to fade him. There's really no way to statistically say that he will be more or less valuable next year. Because like you said, um, he's definitely got a better chance for opportunity than a lot of players going ahead of them uh, right now, according to ADP as well.
1: Yeah, I a couple of things that were just running through my head is just as far as his... Um, performance in college and just another piece of little film note um, he, he did b- break the record for FBS receiving yards at, at Central Michigan so uh, <laughs> you talked about his market share you talked about all those um, really impressive metrics that's just another one to add there and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention his ability uh, to run after the catch you know, I talked about him being a good slant wide receiver, a good crossing route wide receiver, a deep threat, but his ability to to run in the open field, his vision, his toughness, uh, really good, really impressive. His speed. So I think that's another reason why he's he's such a well-rounded wide receiver and can win on any part of the field. So I'll take that moment of silence to throw that in there, and I'll throw it back to you.
0: Yeah, and just about. Um... Last year as well, again, 60 targets or so, it's really not enough. But some of his end-of-year numbers might be concerning, like his uh, 52% catch rate or so. But as far as assessing what a player does in a single year, I think the first stop is to go to airyards.com and look at how it breaks down based on where he was targeted more, what his ADOT was, and how he performed compared to league average. And even on 60 targets or so, his most heavily targeted area was like uh, ten yards or less in A dot, and he was he was actually above average in catch rate and average or slightly below average in racer the efficiency metric, which I'm willing to forgive because it's such a small sample size. He was injured most of last year, and um, and it was his rookie season. And his second most targeted area was um between 15 and 20 yards or so, um in terms of A dot. There he was above average in catch rate again, but he was also above average in racer. So as far as down the play field, so as far as down the field plays go, and um, pl- playing outside receiver goes, he was actually still above average, even if it is a very tiny sample size. So those end of year numbers might look more concerning, but compared to other rookies, and since two thousand, they're not that concerning at all in terms of whether they went on to have a thousand yard seasons, because uh, plenty of them did. Um, and in terms of his efficiency metrics, even on that small sample size, he was fine, especially for a rookie wide receiver and offense that was mostly struggling and definitely not focusing on its most potent weapons. Um, so I wanted to slip that bit in there. And
1: then another, another little piece of the puzzle here, which I think has been maybe flying under the radar a little bit, is just the the change in coaching. You're going from Mike Malarkey with the exotic smash mouth the very very boring old school type of playbook you have to think you know getting Matt LaFleur who has worked with Kyle Shanahan um and Sean McVay with the Rams last year you think he he'd have some more creative ways to make Mariota successful and hopefully to feature Corey Davis in that offense so um he didn't get a, he didn't play a lot last year. Rashad Matthews, who which we both like and, and who is a really good value, is getting a little bit older. He did get I think he was just under a twenty percent market share and Delaney Walker was just over a twenty one percent market share last year. I think there's a chance, if everything hits right, where Corey Davis gets in that lower twenty percent market share this year. And if he does that, I mean if he does that, he has a chance to be a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, and if that happens, you could be looking at the wide receiver three overall in dynasty, something like that. Um, so the change in uh, offensive coaching, I think, is maybe being a little bit underreported. We hear about it with Chicago with Matt Nagy, who is a great offensive mind, but I don't think we're, I don't think there's been enough chatter out there um, for the improvement for that. Tennessee offense
0: yeah I, th- I think this is just one of those players where our best best thing we can say is that it's definitely a time to go get him but your team's going to have to be structured in a way you can take the rookie risk because there's always a risk with rookies even if he is the least possible risk with a wide receiver and you know uh, as I think you said you've already um, gotten a bonus year because some of the hibernation period that wide receivers have to go on, he's spent on someone else's roster. So he's a lot easier to pick up in drafts, but it might be a time to go take that risk if your team's structured the right way. Um, unfortunately, I'm never able to capitalize on that just because I wear a I value it. But there's, there's, it's just all green lights with Corey Davis. Um, and even if he doesn't uh, become a wide receiver one next year, although he definitely has that potential, I mean, like you said, the offensive change, Marcus Mariota has been extremely high in terms of touchdown efficiency over his first two seasons. Last year, he was actually one of the lowest, and J.J. Zacharysen the late pods, made this case a lot better than I could, so I don't have to go into it too too much, but the upside is that Marcus Mariota should regress back to his previous mean and throw it for more touchdowns, so even on that scale, even if the offense wasn't getting a more pass, more likely to get a pass-heavy scheme than it was last year, he's... Still in this good situation. I love Rashad Matthews. I love him as a value pick this year. He's a very good player, and underrated. But Corey Davis, just at least his potential is just not even the next level. It's a level or two above. So, um, is there anything else you want to add, um, that we forgot to re-include or anything about Corey Davis and how awesome he is? No,
1: I mean I think that I think that really settles it up. Is we we both we both it was kind of boring because we both we both really like the player and his acquisition cost is a little bit expensive, and that makes things, that makes things challenging. Like I said, I, there's so many of these players that I'm a big fan of, but I have zero, zero shares of Njoku. I have zero shares of, of Corey Davis, just because I understand the price affiliated with the player doesn't always make sense for your roster. So keep that in mind. You may like a player. You may love some of these players, doesn't mean you have to go out and trade for them. You know, you can be fans of these players and, and wait for the market to settle a little bit before you think the cost is appropriate.
0: All right, so I, I think that's our general wrap-up of Corey Davis. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for checking us out. Um, a few announcements are like fsstatistics.com, the site I use for... Uh, a lot of statistics in this episode and a lot of other episodes and you've probably seen me tweeting graphs based on their data. They're actually trying to become a much broader platform. Addison Hayes, Adam Hayes has asked me to try and produce some articles and videos on how to use their content and the type of things we can discover using it. So please check out fsstatistics.com, follow Addison if you haven't, and also um, Michael Zingoni Um, who I've mentioned before at FF Zingers, definitely someone to follow he's involved in it as well so check that out if you can Um, Jake is there anything new going on with you you think anyone should check out or you want people to check out
1: Uh, yeah next week I have some stuff going on Uh, next Wednesday actually both of us do we're going to go on the Afterburners pod Uh, that's Uh, Bobby Koch at Wrecked Fantasy. We're going to go on his podcast, I believe, to talk about the 2QB Fantasy Draft Guide that just got released. So I'm excited about that. And then speaking about FF Statistics, if you guys knew, uh, my first podcast uh, was with Addison. We were part of the Super Flexible Show, which has transitioned to DLF now as a Super Flex Super Show. And they're coming up on their year anniversary. So... We were invited back on the show. I think they missed us yelling at each other. So um, Addison's always been like a little brother to me. So I basically that podcast was me just busting his balls and us giving each other a hard time. So I'm excited to go on that. I think I'm going to go on that in two weeks um, for the one-year anniversary. So you can certainly check that out. And, yeah, I'm on Twitter, NFL Draft Talker, and I'm active as well as you are. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to uh, slide into our DMs or our, our Twitter handle, Dino Crossroads. Feel free to send us any questions or information there. And if you'd be so kind, feel free to share our pod, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff to help us get a little bit more, um, a little more reach out in the community.
0: Uh, you remembered everything that I have got to say. I've got going on the After Aftervernus podcast next week, and definitely looking forward to that. So check them out, uh, at Reek Fantasy. Bobby is uh, definitely worth a follow. Um, he writes for DLF as well, and the podcast is a whole bunch of fun as well, so I can't wait to get on there. Um, thanks to everyone that's followed us already on Twitter, and at Dino Crossroads as well and the handle just for the podcast we really appreciate all those comments and, and uh, answers to the poll and everything else let us know on twitter if you want to hear about anyone in particular or anything uh you want to comment back on anything we say on our show, on the show of course and um, so thanks again and i will see you again next week peace We needed some outtakes. We did the first one so well. Film
2: and the dynastic crossroads Are you talking to me? Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that
0: tape. It's the... Takes are rehearsal
2: film is everything crossroad where numbers are the key.
1: Oh, you said that wrong. Right.
2: There may not be consensus, but we'll give you everything.
0: Sorry. Hello and welcome back to the <laughs>
1: Recording one two three